body of Christ. So we'll do that today. And then we'll have our voters meeting after church today. And then um, following next Sunday, we'll start a, a five-week series on just marriage. And so looking forward to that as well. I'm talking about marriage and dating and singleness and, and all family stuff. So that's the plan for these next uh, couple months here. I want to start out with this. Um, pillars are important. You ever see, uh, if you travel back to the south, right? In the south, they have these huge columns, these pillars rising up from these homes. And, and pillars are, are super important. And I think, do we, did the video work, Phil? The video, for, did it work? It did not. Okay, don't worry about it. Skip the video. It wasn't very good anyway. <laughs> it's, did it work? No, I was just skipping. It's all right. It wasn't that good. It's a video of a pillar collapsing. It, 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 I just thought it was funny. But anyway, pillars are important. And, and one working pillar is not good enough. You need all the pillars to work. Because if one fails, they all fail. But even more important than that is, is a good foundation. Have you seen those pictures of, of just sinkholes? You know, or just cars going like that? Or lakes just disappearing? That one lake in Florida just disappears because of a massive sinkhole and it sucks down to the ground. Pillars are important, but a foundation is even more important. And so what I'd like you to do is to pull out this piece of paper in your bulletin. Go ahead and pull it out. And it talks about pillars and foundation. As we ask this question about foundation, I'm going to ask you this. Who is your foundation? What is your foundation? Or to put it another way, who are you at the core of your identity and being? Or to put it another way, what is the source of your hope and purpose and joy? Because if you find that, you'll find your identity. And if you find that, you'll find your foundation for life. What's your foundation? And to get at that, I want to ask you another question. Who do you talk to the most? Think about your week. Each and every day, Monday through Sunday, who do you talk to the most? And I bet you don't know the answer. Because the answer is this. The person you talk to the most every single day is yourself. That's who you talk to the most. Talk to yourself. Now, if you do this out loud, people think you're weird. But if you have that kind of daily internal monologue, this is very, very normal. So what do you talk to yourself about each and every day? Well, generally, you talk to yourself about yourself. And you think about your life and, and what's going on that day and, and what has happened and how you respond to it and how you feel about it and, and what, that's, what that causes you to do next and who you need to talk to next. And you talk to yourself most, and you talk to yourself about, about yourself. Well, who informs that conversation? How do you get information about yourself? In other words, how do you know what to talk to yourself about yourself? And generally speaking, we get our information from life's circumstances, what we're going through at that present time, and other people's opinions of us. It's generally how it works. And so when things are great, you have good conversations with yourself. 
Well, check me out. I'm doing pretty well. Life is good. This is fantastic. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And where things are bad, you have these horrible conversations with yourself. Like, I'm horrible. I'm no good. I'm whale poop. I sink to the bottom of the ocean. I'm the lowest thing on earth. Right? Or somewhere in between. Here's the challenge, though, or the problem, is that circumstances change. So there's a danger when things are going great that you fall into pride, and then there's a danger when things are going horrible that you slip into despair. And that's also true with other people's opinions of you. Because if there's someone in your life who really matters to you, a spouse, a child, a boss, a parent, a good friend, and their opinion of you changes, well, then who are you? If that's the basis of your identity and your core, well, then that's a very dangerous place to be. There's a better option. God's grace for you is a great foundation for who you are and the source of your joy and purpose and reason for being. Because God never changes. And his love for you never falters. John 3.16, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. That's a foundational statement. That's like a statement of identity and core purpose and being. Who am I? I'm a loved child of God. That's who I am. And that doesn't change. It says this in 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that, my friends, is what we are. That's identity. That's a core statement. That's who you are. At the core of your being. Continues in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. It's a core statement. And what do we do with that? John continues, and we ought to lay down our lives for brothers and sisters. It's a foundational statement. You are the core of your identity, the center purpose of your, your being and who you are and what gives you purpose is that you are a beloved child of God redeemed by a gracious Savior and that's foundational and so as a foundation for our life is God's word which reveals that foundation to us it reveals God's grace for you it reveals God's purposes for you it reveals God's direction for you and so you never have to wonder, gosh, are things going well for me and then um, things are good or things are going bad for me and then I, I must be bad. No. You're loved by God. You're his cherished child. And my friends, it's all good. When your identity is founded on Jesus' love and sacrifice for you, it flows into prayer and conversation with God. It just does. 
Because you have those internal conversations, those internal monologues each and every day, and they're constant and they're consistent. And when your foundation, when your identity is Jesus' love for you and God's word for you, then those, those conversations become uh, a two-way conversation. You're not just talking to yourself about yourself, but you're talking to God about yourself. And you're letting God's word speak into you and begin to form you and who you are at the core of your being. And prayer founded on God's word makes prayer a two-way conversation. Because the danger with prayer is sometimes it's a one-way conversation. You know, you know where I saw the most prayers in the media? The most, where they pray the most often. You'll never believe this. Soap operas. Don't ask me how I know this. <laughs> but it, it may be true that when the kids were younger and we were in California and the church was about a mile from our house, I may have gone home for lunch from time to time and the, the soaps may have been on while my wife was watching, I was watching it. But I just happened to notice they pray all the time on days of our lives. Especially my favorite character, she pray- No, I'm sorry. <laughs> But it's always a one-way conversation. God, I need this. That's good. It's appropriate. God wants us to bring our concerns and, 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 and requests to him. But when our lives are founded, when our identity is founded on Jesus' love for you, as revealed in the word of God, then prayer becomes a two-way conversation. Prayer is not only, God, I need this, but it's also, God, what would you have for me? God, where are you in the midst of this situation? How are you working? And help me to see it. And that, in that way, the scary times aren't so scary. And the good times are even better because you see God's hand in it and you give him praise for it. Those are foundations for our lives. And with God's word and prayer as your foundation. And when your conversations with yourself involve God's word and are reflected in prayer, you always arrive at the best and correct conclusions. That you are a beloved child of God, redeemed by a gracious Savior. And those are the foundations for our lives. But God also wants us to grow. And growth involves pillars. And the center pillar is worship. I thought about making worship a foundation, but I realized you can be a follower of Jesus and, and never set foot in a church. You can't. It's not recommended, but it certainly is possible. You can worship God on your, by yourself, but I think it's instructive that the Bible never demonstrates worship this way. It talks about prayer like that, but never worship. Worship's always a corporate experience. Worship uh, is us praising God together. It's us receiving God's gifts together. We're sent out to be God's people together. How many of you have you heard the phrase, God won't give you anything you can't handle? How many of you heard that phrase? God won't give you anything you can't handle. I think it's a lie. I do. I don't think it's true. I think sometimes it's a horrible burden to have that spoken into you. 
Oh, God won't give you anything you can't handle. You're like, well, I think he's done pretty close. (laughs) This is what I think is true. God won't give you anything we can't handle. Worship is the body of Christ called together. And as we gather and worship, we're like, oh, you're a sinner? Oh, I'm a sinner too. Let's, Let's do this together. Let's follow Jesus together because we both need Jesus. And we're to follow Jesus together. And worship is the regular recentering of our lives. And that recentering is also reflected in community, the second pillar. It's very, very closely related to worship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my favorite writers, he says this about community. Thus, in the period between the death of Christ and the day of judgment, when Christians are allowed to live here in the visible community with other Christians, we have merely a gracious anticipation of the end time. He was German. He wrote big flowery statements. What he meant was this. When we gather together, this is a precursor of heaven. Whether it's in worship, whether it's in small groups or community groups, whether it's brothers and sisters in Christ gathering together to watch a football game in the name of the Lord, it's community. It's community. And we're gathered together to walk together. And that is an image, a precursor, an appetizer of heaven. And you look around and you're going, really? Because we don't look very heaven-like. <laughs> this, is not a, this is not what I pictured heaven to be like. It's just a precursor. But all the elements are here. God is present. You are here. We're giving him praise. And then sent out to be his people together. And there'll be times when I'm going to stumble and falter, and I'm going to need your help. And there are times when you're going to stumble and falter, and the person right next to you is going to be there for you. If you're not active in one of our small groups, I highly recommend it. And to paraphrase Ferris Bueller, if you have the means, I highly recommend it. Now, I'll be honest with you. We've had some great small groups here, and some of them, some people have moved away. We need to start some new ones. We do. We just have to. We have to. We don't, we don't have, there's not another option. We have to be in community, because it's a pillar for our life and growth in Christ. And so if you're curious about starting another small group or just hosting a small group, letting someone else lead, talk to me after the service. It's super easy these days, because of a little thing called DVDs, right? So you don't have to know anything to lead. You just have to know how to push play. And then when people come to your home, smile and open the door. That's it. That's it. We've got great resources here. We can find great resources for you. But we need more community. We need more small groups because it's a pillar for our life in Christ together. And the third is this. The second pillar on the right side there is mentoring. I have it listed as children and youth. But it's because Jesus specifically mentions mentoring kids. He says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. And so as the body of Christ together, we have, we have no choice but to love kids. We have to love kids because Jesus loved, loves kids, even when they're noisy and stinky. My wife took a, a new part-time job over at the Vail Church uh, daycare. 
and she has infants Mondays and Fridays. And I went and visited her, and there's nine babies in this room. And my, my neck started twitching like this, you know? I'm like, oh, man, i got to get out of here. There's too many babies. And, and she's loving it. She's like, oh, look how cute they are. I'm like, mm-hmm, that's cute, all right? Right? Jesus loves those babies. Jesus loves our kids. Jesus loves your kids. And so we love kids. We love them. But mentoring is just the most obvious place. Well, kids are the most obvious place where mentoring exists. Because if you go home today and there's little bipeds walking around your house, you are a mentor. Congratulations. But God calls all of us to be in the task of mentoring. To invest in the lives of those around you. The Apostle Paul was single. No kids. And when he goes on his mission trip, he takes someone with him because he's going to mentor that person. The body of Christ is recentered in worship, gathered in community, strengthened in community, and then called to walk with each other and mentor one another. So I want to ask you, who are you mentoring? Who are you mentoring? And then the follow-up question is, who are you allowing to mentor you? Because that's how God calls us to gather together and walk together. And if you're not sure of the answer, small groups is a great place to start. It's a great place to start. Because mentoring in a worship service is hard. But mentoring in a small group, that's fantastic. That's where it takes place naturally. The foundation is based on God's word and showing his, his grace to us through it. It continues through prayer. We grow through as the Holy Spirit enables through the pillars of worship and community and mentoring. And it finds its culmination, the roof, if you will, in mission. If we are following Jesus, then we will be where Jesus is going. We'll follow Jesus to wherever he's at. And Jesus is always on a mission of restoration. He will be giving hope to the hopeless and love to the loveless and peace to the restless and grace to all of us sinners. That's where Jesus is going. And so if we're following Jesus, that's where we'll end up. And when we ask that daily question, what is Jesus up to today? We'll join him there. And that, my friends, is mission. And it happens Naturally, as you talk with coworkers, as you console a friend, as you invite a neighbor over for dinner to watch a football game, as you send people to Cuba to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's mission. And this is the calling of our lives. It's the calling of our congregation. And we have an incredible opportunity to engage this calling on a higher level. At our voters meeting today, we're voting on whether to sell Lot 2. And some of you are going, Lot 2? I don't know Lot 2. <laughs> lot 2 is some land we purchased some years ago. It's adjacent to Vail Christian High School. It's the parking lot right next to the auditorium and the land where you'll see some modulars there right now. We bought that land some years ago with the purpose of selling this place and moving down there. And we tried it out. We kind of ooched into it. 
kind of just we tipped our feet in the water and we worshiped in that auditorium there for two years. And the, the vast response of our congregation was, well, it's too, it's too cold. Well, we're getting out of the pool. It's too cold. We're getting out. We're getting out. We came back here. And the majority of you said, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. This is better. This is better. It, it's hard to, I think the best way to describe it is, when you have a nice home, it's hard to move into the condo, and that isn't yours that you're just renting. And so we came back to a nice home. And then we just kind of had a lot, too. And we've been renting it out to uh, Vail Christian Academy. And that's been working pretty well. They, they got a nice deal on it. We're helping them out. And that's good. That's good. Uh, but Calvary Chapel has offered to buy it from us outright. And so at the voters meeting today, we'll, we'll talk about the details of that purchase. But there are some opportunities because of it. Um, the monies that come in, and they're offering to purchase it for 900000 That will enable us to do a number of things. It will enable us to pay off the mortgage for this facility. And that mortgage here, we owe 360000 365000 Actually, 350000 $360,000 in a round figure is what's owed on this place here. We can pay it off. We can invest the remaining 540000 towards facility maintenance. As you walk around here, you'll notice there's some things that need some TLC around here. The carpet, it's a little beat up, especially out in the atrium area. The roof, it's due. The boilers are really due. So it's good to have some reserve for that to say, when it, when it goes, we're ready. But more importantly is this, it gives us an opportunity to invest in ministry. With those funds and paying off the mortgage, which will result in a savings of $40,000 a year in our budget. We can take those funds and invest in a part-time children, children and family ministry leader. Because ever since I've been here, we've been using volunteers. And they've been good. They've worked hard. But it's a bigger job than a volunteer. It's just a bigger job. And now we have the opportunity to invest in that person and say, okay, you're going to be a part-time children and family ministry leader. And then to also take some funds and invest it in high school and young adult. A leader. Someone who's contacting these people on a regular basis. Bringing them into community. And growing them. Those are opportunities here. We may vote to take that opportunity. We may say, no, we're going to, we want to pursue a different opportunity. But what's clear is this. God calls us in mission. We have a phenomenal foundation here at Gracious Savior. Built up and grown over many years with the great pillars. God's Holy Spirit is working in this place. And my friends, I believe... Time is now. Time is now to take that next step. To use the resources and opportunities that, that God gives and to say, okay, Lord, where are you going? And how can we meet you there? Uh, for his glory, for his name's sake, and for all those who don't know him yet.
Amen. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting. Amen. 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 Stand in praise of God.